All right. It's good to see you guys tonight. Um, you know, uh, we're a family, and tonight we're a smaller family than we normally have. So if you want, I'm not going to ask you to do it, but if you want, if you guys want to come sit over here, that'd be great. You don't have to. But we're going to have uh, some, spend some time in the Word. Then we're going to spend some time in prayer together as we close out 2016 and, and pray for our time in 2017. So um, we're going to close out 2016 in a uh, probably what's a familiar passage for most of us, John chapter 11. And so uh, if you want to flip there, that would be great. And although Kevin has already uh, prayed for our time in the Word, let me, let me uh, do the same. Father God, we thank you for this evening. Uh, Lord, I just pray that your word would be delivered and that I would just get out of the way, Father, and that you would speak individually to each heart that is in this room tonight. Lord, that you would call each person here to do great things in your name, that you would be glorified. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. John chapter 11, we'll pick up in verse 1. Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. And it was the Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. The sisters therefore sent to him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. But when Jesus heard it, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God that the Son of God may be glorified by it. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. <clears throat> when therefore he heard that he was sick, he told the messenger, Go back and tell Mary and Martha your brother lives. Is that what it says? No. See, that's why you should bring your own Bible to church, because you can't trust what I'm going to read or what anyone else is going to read when you're in service. That's not what it says. What does it say? It says... When therefore he heard that he was sick, he stayed then two days longer in the place where he was. Let's pause right there for, for just a minute. Um, this is really, I think, one of the more fascinating things Jesus does in the Gospels. Not healing Lazarus. Because we know Jesus can heal him by going, healing him, or he could just speak the word and Lazarus would be healed. And, and if we could just sort of forget, if you already know, how this story ends and just take it at face value, I think we would kind of go, wow, like, this kind of is fascinating what Jesus does here. He waits. He delays. Because if you, so if you don't know the rest of the story, right, just imagine you don't know what happens. Look at what Jesus says in verse 4 when he hears that Lazarus is sick. This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God that the Son of God may be glorified by it. It's not unto death. It sounds like he's going to heal Lazarus. Why would he do that? Because verse 5, there, now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Common sense logic would tell us Jesus is going to heal Lazarus. Because his sickness is not going to end in death. And he loves Lazarus. But as we know, that is not what happens. You know, back in John 4, you might recall the, the royal official comes running up to Jesus. He says, hey, Jesus, come, my son is sick and dying. 
Jesus said, go back home, your son lives. The man turns and he starts his over 20 mile journey and on the way, a man runs out, one of his servants runs out to meet him and he says, your son is healed. And the man realized that at the time that his son was healed, it was the very time that Jesus said his son would live. So we know that Jesus, if he wills, if he wants to, he can heal Lazarus. But he chooses not to. Why would he choose not to? Because in this instance, Jesus is choosing what is great over what is good. And my prayer for each one of us here tonight is that as we walk into 2017 tomorrow morning, that we would choose the great over the good. I think a lot of times we get caught up in just trying to do the good instead of the bad. We just try to avoid sinning. And I don't even know if we really consider very often, you know, maybe instead of just trying to avoid the bad and doing good, maybe we should consider doing the great over the good. Jesus here is going to choose to do a great thing. He's going to wait to take action. And what we're going to see is that is going to, he's going to pay the cost for doing something great. Because choosing great things for God's glory comes at a cost. So we're going to keep reading. We're going to back up just to verse 5 because it's just such a beautiful, simple verse. We're going to read straight through to 46. I'll stop a couple times along the way, just make some points about choosing great things for God's glory. Verse 5, Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. When therefore he heard that he was sick, he stayed then two days longer in the place where he was. Then after this he said to the disciples, Let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you. And are you going there again? Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. This he said, and after that he said to them, he, our friend, I'm sorry, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go that I may awaken him out of sleep. The disciples therefore said to him, Lord, if he's fallen asleep, he'll, he'll recover. Now, Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought that he was speaking of literal sleep. Then Jesus, therefore, said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and I am glad for your sakes that I was not there, so that you may believe, but let us go to him. Thomas, therefore, who was called Didymus, said to his fellow disciples, let us also go, that we may die with him. Let's pause right there for just a moment. Thomas says, let's, let's go and die. The disciples in verse 8 said, Rabbi, what are you thinking? The Jews were going to stone you. You want to go back? You see, there's a truth, church, that when you choose to do great things for the glory of God, people close to you will discourage you. People close to you will discourage you. We see it in verse 8 and we see it in verse 16. And here's why, because doing great things for God's glory involves risk. I'm sure that Jay and Erica have probably been discouraged by some comments made by people close to them. Seriously, like, you guys want to stop what you're doing and try to start Crew City in San Antonio? Are you crazy? 
Why would, why would you, you want to do that? Oh, really? You really think you can change the way that, that you know, funds are raised and that whole support raising process to help people who, who need a little encouragement and can't really stick to the process we have established and have been running by for 50 years? You think you can turn the Titanic? Good luck. I'm sure, I'm guessing, uh, Ramsey and Jessica have probably heard some discouraging words from people close to them because they're about to hopefully soon start fostering. Might sound something like this. Have you thought about like what this might do to your kids? The dangers that you're posing, that you're exposing them to by bringing troubled kids into your home? Do you know the statistics of abuse for kids in foster care? What they've seen, what they're capable of? And you really want to open that up to your kids? You see, when we do great things for God's glory, people close to us will discourage us. Because they fail to see the bigger picture of what God is calling you to do. And it is out of concern for your safety, your well-being, that they want you to play it safe. They want you to choose what is good rather than what is great. Verse 17. So when Jesus came, he found that he had already been in the tomb four days. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. Martha, therefore, when she heard that Jesus was coming, went to meet him, but Mary still sat in the house. Martha, therefore, said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother shall rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he'll rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me shall live even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord, I have believed that you are the Christ, the Son of God, even he who comes into the world. And when she had said this, she went away and called Mary, her sister, saying secretly, the teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she arose quickly and was coming to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha met him. The Jews then who were with her in the house and consoling her, when they saw that Mary rose up quickly and went out, followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Therefore, when Mary came where Jesus was, she saw him and fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus therefore saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and was troubled and said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. And so the Jews were saying, behold how he loved him. But some of them said, could not this man who opened the eyes of him who was blind have kept this man also from dying? Let's pause there. You see, when you choose to do the great things that God has called you to do, not only will people close to you discourage you, but they will criticize and they will judge you. Martha, in verse 21, said, 
if you had been here, Jesus, my brother would still be alive. She lays the blame at his feet. Mary does the exact same thing with the exact same words in verse 32. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And just imagine, we know how close Jesus was to Lazarus, Mary, and Martha. They had this intimate relationship, this, this strong affection for one another. Can you imagine how those words must have hurt Jesus? If you had been here, he would not have died. Those words come from pain and anguish, and they must have been hard to hear because Jesus loved them and Lazarus. When you do great things for the Lord, people close to you, will judge you and criticize you. And so will those who maybe aren't so close to you, but they're just on the fringes of your life and they're observing what you're doing. Because that's what happens in verse 37. They said, but hey, isn't this the guy who healed the blind man? Couldn't he have saved Lazarus too? Everyone's laying the blame on Jesus. They fail to understand that he's choosing the great over the good. But as I said, it comes from a place of hurt, right? Because Mary is weeping. Jesus is weeping. The townspeople are weeping. This is raw emotion being displayed here. They are deeply hurt and they are grieving for the loss of Lazarus. That is why your parents might not be so excited about your work in the mission field. Whether that's five weeks in East Asia, 11 months around the globe, a lifetime in West Africa. Because they're close to you, they love you, they are concerned for you. And so they want you to choose what is good, not necessarily what is great. Not only does doing great things for God's glory bring pain to those close to you and around you, but it also brings pain and suffering for yourself. Verse 33, Jesus was deeply moved in spirit and he was troubled. In verse 35, he wept. He wept. He is suffering emotionally, but he didn't need to be. Remember, he, he could have avoided all of this by just saying, your brother is healed back in the beginning of the chapter. He could have chosen that route. We live in a culture that teaches us, church, that we should avoid painful situations, that we should avoid discomfort and suffering. But the Word of God teaches us something very different and the example that Christ gives us is different as well. When you do great things, you will weep. My family and I experienced that this week, as you, many of you might know. So if you don't know the story, we, are, we just started our, our foster care journey a couple of weeks ago. We were with an agency that we can foster kids uh, just on a short-term basis, one to three months is, is going to be the typical stay for a child in our home. <clears throat> and uh, many of you met Wendy, our first foster daughter. She had been with us almost three weeks. 
came to Alamo Stone. Appreciate you guys loving on her. And uh, so the week was just a crazy week. I mean, last Sunday, start of the week, was Christmas Day, remember? It's already been a week. So here we are, you know, we go through our traditional routine of reading the birth story in Luke and praying together and opening gifts. And there's Wendy on the floor with Gabby and Daniel opening presents. She's got presents too. You know, she's just a part of our family. Just a sweet, beautiful time together. Things are just going amazingly well. She loves our family. We, she, she's at home with us, you know. And then Tuesday night, Pilar gets a, a phone call. They realized that um, her, when she got her fingerprints done, the place that did them, there was some mix-up. They sent her information to some other organization. And so they said, you have to get Wendy's stuff and bring her to the foster agency right now. We, we've already found another foster family to place her with. So you can imagine my wife hanging up the phone and having to turn to Wendy and go, there's been a terrible mistake. You have to gather your belongings right now. You can't stay with us anymore. Not how we expected that relationship to end. We gather, everyone's crying, we're getting her stuff together, and Pilar takes her to the foster care agency. And, and we're left wondering, are we going to see her again? And so, Pilar sent a, an email to the lady at the foster care agency and said, hey, could we just see Wendy this weekend like we would love to bring her to church on Saturday night? Could we do that? So we got an email Thursday night, late Thursday night, uh, a reply that said, hey, we worked it out. You can, you can see Wendy this weekend. Uh, the, the couple puts you on their list of, I don't even know what you call them, but you know, list of care providers, whatever. Um, here's their contact information. Just call them. They're expecting you to call. You'll you'll be able to pick her up and take her to church on Saturday. So we're just, whoo, man, and finally, you know, at least we know now we'll get to see her again that that won't be the last time. And then lo and behold, we get a phone call, Clark gets a phone call yesterday from a different lady at the foster care agency. Because we don't have your background information, you can't see her or speak to her until all that is processed. It's been a roller coaster of emotions these past few days, as you could imagine. But through the sorrow and the tears, one thing has remained constant, and that is our commitment to honor God through fostering kids. We will not be discouraged from that for sure, because fostering kids is, quite honestly, not something that I would do personally apart from Christ. Like the only reason I have any interest in fostering kids is because Jesus Christ lives inside of me. Because I know me. I would have no interest in taking kids into my home that I do not know, that are from another country, that don't speak the language, and suffer through all those challenges and make all those sacrifices and you know all the resources, whatever you want to talk about except that Christ lives in me. And, and that is exactly how God, as I spoke about last week, views us, right? He, he has adopted us into his family. And so we will continue to foster kids 
knowing that there will be more heartache along the way. We are, we are truly humbled that God would select us to be foster parents. And, you know, while it's been uh, just a, a rough week, I have to say this. Like, this week is when the foster agency actually corrected the original mistake. Right? Like, the original mistake was made when they placed Wendy into our home to begin with because they didn't have my wife's background information. Right, so here's what I think happened. So Pilar went to get her fingerprints done on a different day than Gabby and I went. And Gabby was optional to do fingerprints because she's a minor, she's only 15. So Pilar went one day, Gabby and I went like a week later, got ours done. And so I, I'm just speculating. I think what happened was they got back two sets of you know, background <laughs> information, mine and Gabby's, not mine and Pilar's, and they just saw that everything was good and thought, well, okay, they're, they're good. And so they placed Wendy in our home, and then sometime this week they realized, oh, wait a minute, we're missing something here, right? But, but here's the thing. As painful as this week has been, that original mistake was definitely not a mistake, right? That was a, that was a God-ordained oversight. Because had that mistake not happened, we would have never met Wendy, and y'all would have never met Wendy. So I don't know what God has in store. If we'll get to see Wendy again before she's placed with her aunt in Houston. But we are just grateful for the just shy of three weeks time that we got to spend with her. And uh, there's, there was never any doubt that fostering is the right thing to do. That will continue doing it. In fact, if there was... <clears throat> If there was any doubt at all in my mind, it was not over that. It was over this. Lord, should, should we, are we doing this the right way? Like, I really asked God that this week. God, are, are we doing this right? And what I mean by that is, God, by loving so freely, are we doing this right? Because there are foster parents who, who view foster kids as basically as tenants in the home. Right, and so if we're going to have kids for a short time, should we not love so freely and just take care of them until we can pass them on to family? And God answered that question really fast. He said, you love freely with all of your heart. Because that's how I love you. Not withholding anything. <clears throat> Not even his son. For us. So. I hope and pray that God has been glorified. Through our time. With Wendy. What's so amazing to me is that. God put this sort of thought, this principle, this truth, whatever you want to call it, choosing the great over the good, and, and pointed me the, to this passage way back in May. And so when talking to God, I was like, okay, God, that's perfect. So when do you want me to deliver that message? And the answer was clear, New Year's. Okay, that sounds like a great New Year's message, choosing the great over the good in the new year. 
But what God knew in advance that I obviously did not know was he knew we were going to have Wendy before we ever met her. Knew we'd bring her into our home. Knew that I'd be in this text this week where I see the Savior weeping while pursuing God's purpose. And so through the pain and the suffering and the agony and the criticism and judgment from others, people close to us, people on the fringes, whatever, we are just humbled and honored to do what God has called us to do. And we pray that he's glorified in it. And glorifying God and himself is the purpose in Jesus delaying at the beginning of chapter 11. Remember, he said that. Not unto death, but that God may be glorified in the Son of God glorified in it so as we continue reading especially 40 through 42 i want you to listen to that message that jesus is teaching that this is for god's glory verse 38 is we're going to pick up jesus therefore again being deeply moved within came to the tomb now it was a cave and a stone was lying against it jesus said remove the stone martha the sister of the deceased said to him lord by this time there will be a stench for he has been dead for days jesus said to her did i not say to you if you believe you will see the glory of god and so they removed the stone and jesus raised his eyes and said father i thank thee that thou heardest me and i know that thou hearest me always but because of the people standing around i said it that they may believe that thou didst send me and when he had said these things he cried out with a loud voice Lazarus, come forth. He who had died came forth, bound hand and foot with wrappings, and his face was wrapped around with a cloth. Jesus said to them, Unbind him and let him go. Many, therefore, of the Jews who had come to Mary and, be and beheld what he had done believed in him. But some of them went away to the Pharisees and told them the things which Jesus had done. So Jesus could have done what was good. He could have healed Lazarus, but instead he chose a greater thing. To allow Lazarus to die so that he could be raised from the dead. And as a result, God is glorified. Jesus himself is glorified. Because which is better, healing a sick man or raising a dead man back to life? Jesus chose the great over the good. And that's my prayer for us in 2017, that we would do the same. But it comes with just one kind of word of caution. When we do great things, and we know that it's not us who does them, it's, it's God who does them in us and through us, right? But, but when we allow God to do those great things for his glory, some people will believe and will be turned to God. But verse 46 tells us, there are others who won't. There are others who will still reject what God is doing in your life. But don't let that discourage us, church, from pursuing the unique calling that God has placed in your heart and on your life, which will bring him glory. I do not know what that calling is for you personally. But let me just share two things that we'll have going on at Alamo Stone next year. 
which starts tomorrow, by the way, next year. That I want you to really spend time committing to God. And is either or both of these a great thing that God is calling you to? The first one is our marriage ministry, which is going to kick off here in just a couple of weeks. <clears throat> now, when you think about your marriage, if you're married, and you think about good or great, if you're thinking you're not going to hop into the marriage ministry, can, can I just, I just want to just speak plainly. Is it because you're content with just what's good? And you're afraid of what's great? Because here's where I think some people might be when you think about, ooh, man, getting into a small group with other couples and, like, really doing life together. Man, there might be some things in your personal life, in your walk with the Lord, that you really don't want to have exposed for others to see. And so you're willing to stick with just what's, because you're good with whatever it is that you got going on. You don't want to pursue what's great. You don't, want to, you don't want to work towards that. You don't want to embarrass yourself. You don't want whatever that, you don't want to have to confess that to your spouse, whatever it is. But could I encourage you with this? Just consider what's great, what could be great, not just in your marriage, but in the marriage of your Marriages of your coworkers, your neighbors, your family. Because you will not only learn how to apply the gospel to your own marriage, but you will learn how to share that with others. So think bigger than yourself. Think big picture. Because here's the thing. We're going to start these small groups in just a couple of weeks. And our desire is that a couple of the couples that go through it will then be able to lead small groups after that and help others in their marriages. So... I want you to pray about that. Be willing to humble yourself. Let God speak to your heart. And I don't want to sound like a, you know, a midnight infomercial, but spaces are limited. <laughs> and the Flints have already submitted our request to get into a small group. So one spot, hopefully, is already claimed. All right, so see Jody or Emily, talk to them, email them, text them, whatever if you're interested. <clears throat> the second opportunity is with foster kids. So Dave Borsky is leading our local compassion ministry, and we just feel like God is leading us down the path of getting involved with an agency, actually the Devereaux Agency. And we're going to provide you opportunities throughout the year to be involved in the lives of kids who are in the foster care system or supporting foster parents because they're going to need some support. And I can tell you guys, I know just based on how much you loved on Wendy the two times she was here, that that's something a lot of you are probably excited about. And while I'm talking about Wendy come to Alamo Stone, let me share this with you. So <clears throat> we brought her to Alamo Stone the first weekend that she was with us, and she didn't understand anything, you know, because she's only Spanish-speaking and Spanish-listening, right? Um... And then on Sunday morning, we took her to a, a, a sister church that is a Hispanic church. So the whole service is in Spanish. Beautiful church. Actually, I listened to a little 
they have a beautiful ministry there where someone is in the back and, and he's translating the message in English for people like me. And so I'm listening to the whole thing in, in English, right? So we wanted to take her and, uh, but then as the following weekend approached, we were talking to her about, hey, you know, last weekend we brought you Alamo Stone, then we took you to the Hispanic church. Like, what do you want to do this weekend? And without hesitation, she just wanted to come to Alamo Stone. So she returned last week. So thank you guys for, for loving on her. And I know you guys, some of you anyway, are excited about getting involved in the lives of some foster kids and helping parents who are foster parents. And, you know, <clears throat> I sent it out in the email last Sunday. There are no fewer than 40 verses in the Bible, 40, that speak to God's concern for the orphan or he commands his children to care for the orphan. No fewer than 40. Church, you can't ignore that. You cannot ignore that. So would you prayerfully consider if God wants you to do a great thing with foster kids in 2017? Now, I typically close with a prayer right now, but we're going to have some prayer time uh, as a church family. So um, I really hadn't thought this through very well, quite honestly. So let's just share openly because we're family. What prayer requests do you guys have? Because I know we've got a few. You know our prayer request. Kathy, would you like to give an update on Kent for us, please, if you don't mind? All right. So for those that might not know, so Kent and Kathy just joined our church family earlier this year. The Lord brought them here. They've been a wonderful part of our family. Kent took a job in Maine just a few weeks back. 
left, and Kathy is scheduled to go join him. Uh, and while there, he slipped, took a nasty fall this week, and uh, his foot is in a cast. He had surgery. He's, his foot's in a cast. He's in a nursing home. Uh, and, you know, Kent, if you remember Kent, is kind of a quiet, shy guy, so he's not been there long. So our prayer was for people to just come alongside him and take good care of him. Kathy, as you know, is a mover and a shaker. So from here, she's been managing, uh, you know, his recovery and his diet and everything. So we'll be praying for them. Uh, we need to pray for the Hollies. They are on the road as we are here tonight. They are due to arrive in San Antonio on Monday from their trip to Virginia. Still no permanent solution for uh, in-home care or, or, you know, just care for Ted's parents. But Ted sent a nice text last night uh, just praising God for just a lot of things that he was able to get done for them that needed to get taken care of. So uh, Marcus is headed out tomorrow for Winter Conference along with several other college students. So anything in particular, Marcus, or just? We have, uh, I think it's like 12 or 13 freshmen going. So we're okay. excited about that. Wow. All right. All right. Absolutely. Ramsey. actually like to get probably maybe two so usually sibling groups get split up Absolutely. Thank you guys so much for opening your hearts and your homes to kids who need it. Thank you. I'd like to raise up a Mr. C. prayer for <coughs> Rob and Donna. They're going through, <coughs> or how you say it, trial after trial. Their faith is strong, <coughs> but they, uh, they have some decisions to make on how to solve the situations yeah. that keep coming up. Right. They want to downsize, so they're trying to sell the house, but the house. And, uh, and then Donna hit a, uh, a deer with a car and wiped out the front end. So that took their only car out of out. So uh, little by little, uh, I think the Lord's, um, how do you say it, providing for them the answers that they're seeking. Yeah. Well, thank you, Mr. C, and praise God for you and Mrs. C for going over there yesterday and doing some, some work before the rain started coming down this morning. So thank you, guys. Anyone else? We should be praying for Sam Wicker's safe return on Tuesday. She went to Maryland and then North, oh, New York, and then North Carolina. So she's due to... Return back to San Antonio on Tuesday. Miss Susie has had some health problems, some other stresses in life that I won't go into detail unless she wants to share personally, but we need to be praying for Miss Susie. 
All right, so last chance. Here's what we're going to do. Uh, Dave, if you would open us up. If the Spirit leads you to pray out loud after Dave opens us, please do so. I think the body would be encouraged by that. And then after a little while, I'll, I'll close us.